Congressman, how are you, my friend? Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, having me on. More than that, thanks for what you're doing with this show. It's really important uh, to the state and to the country. So appreciate your, your efforts, Andy. Well, we appreciate what you do. I mean, it's a tough battle, especially in the House of Representatives. Uh, before we get into some of the detailed bills, I can only imagine what you guys are going through right now because the Democrats seem to just go all out and just try and push whatever they want to and they can get away with it right now because of the majority that they have but just getting settling in as a freshman congressman fighting this battle against nancy pelosi and the crazy radical democrats i mean how has the environment been up in dc so far yeah you know it's ultra partisan there are efforts um, underway to fundamentally change the country uh, into ways that i don't want for our kids and grandkids we are pushing back uh, elections have consequences, and right now, uh, the Republicans, the Democrats, are in control of the House by um, five to seven votes. Uh, we're pushing hard. We've got to win back the House here in two years. In the meantime, you know things are unfortunately passing the House. Um, they are, are not getting through the Senate because of the filibuster rules, other than the, the big spending bill that that occurred um, earlier this month. But mm-hmm. uh, but you know now all hands on deck to uh, to make sure the country doesn't change in ways that we don't want it to. Well, it's frustrating. I mean, it's such a narrow margin in the Senate that they're kind of our last, uh, I mean, I guess, last line of defense, because with the Democrats running the House, with Joe Biden running the presidency, I mean, he's just signing whatever the heck he wants to, which, I I mean, what frustrated me was the first couple of weeks of his administration, they didn't even give you guys in Congress the opportunity to work on legislation because he was just practicing signing his name on 50 different executive orders. Well, that's right. I realized that the first few days that that President Biden and, and at his inauguration, you know, he talked about wanting to be bipartisan, um, you know, all these things. And then immediately the first few days in office, he issued more executive orders than the last 10 presidents combined, wow. um, you know, in their first few days. So very concerning. I actually introduced legislation called the Man Act, which stands for Making Action Necessary Now. Um, basically, say, look, before an executive order can go into effect, there has to be a 30-day waiting period. Um, so there's time for Congress and the public to comment. And then there needs to be a look back um, six months after and annually thereafter on what were the impacts of the executive orders. We can't in Congress stop executive orders, but clearly it's an attempt to bypass Congress and we can do some things to slow it down. And that's exactly what I'm working to do. I love that idea, especially, I mean, they want to put waiting periods on purchasing a firearm. Maybe we should put in a waiting period for them to implement their agenda. What do you think? Well, yeah, you know, and these are things that Americans by and large don't want. Um, these are things that are being done um, so quickly without any input. There are a lot of consequences I don't like. There's also a lot of unintended consequences, and it just makes common sense um, to include Congress. That's why we have three uh, you know, separate branches. Um, the founding fathers never intended for the president to bypass Congress, and that's what we're seeing happen right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's so many bills and so many things going on in D.C. that I want to talk to you about. Uh, but let's start going through some of these that I know that you're involved with directly with, especially the Security First Act. I, I've been hearing some information about this one, but there's concern about security in America right now. I know you've been talking about this bill. Uh, explain what the Security First Act is and what it could do. Well, well the um, Security First Act specifically uh, impacts immigration, and it would allow the DHS to procure more technology and equipment including, you know, like communications equipment, sensors, drone technology, those kind of things at the border wall. Mm. Um, it also required the DHS to report on hiring practices for any border patrol uh, and designated um, drug 
narco trafficking organizations as terrorist organizations, basically really equipping um, the good men and women that are at the border with the equipment, the technology, what they need uh, to decrease this illegal immigration that we are now seeing happening and really this crisis, crisis that we're seeing at the border. It's desperately needed. I mean, we just heard President Joe Biden give his very first press conference, and essentially he just said, well, anybody that comes up to the border, we're just not going to turn you away because that's the inhumane thing to do, and Donald Trump's the only evil jerk that actually did that, but we're just going to try and figure out a way to handle all this, and uh, it's just getting worse as we go along as caravans continue to come up to the border. We have to do something about this. Well, you know, the Biden administration has has signaled and said they're not going to enforce our laws, and when we are not a country of law and order. Um, people get hurt, and it's human heartbreak what's happening at the border. We have, you know, and many times people are getting taken advantage of on the other side as they're trying to get through where they're told, you know, pay this coyote this much money, uh, and they'll get smuggled across the border. But we've got to be a country of law and order. So this all occurs because we've never secured the border. Yeah. Uh, we never got uh, the wall built. And so because of that, there is a way that people can come to the country illegally. I am for legal immigration, but yeah. we've got to be a country of law and order. And I strongly oppose illegal immigration, and we have to secure the border. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what bothered me, though, especially during the press conference, he had mentioned that Trump had cut the funding to these countries to make their country better so they didn't need to leave their country as a, and flee for, as a refugee. The problem is, though, we had those programs in for years, and it never fixed anything, and yet we still had an illegal immigration problem. And now he wants to re-implement them, put Kamala Harris as vice president into that charge uh, to head up and front those initiatives, but yet all we're doing is just giving them money to a nation that's not fixing the problems with the gangs or with the cartels or with the corruption within their government, and it's not solving anything, so we're spending money on these nations, but yet they're still coming to the border because they still have an issue. Uh, I I don't know why we would want to send money back down to them. We we, we have a crisis, Andy, at our southern border at the end of March that was not occurring at the end of December. What's changed is the administration and, yeah. and their policy, and that's just clear as day. That's a fact. Um, we've got to secure the border. We've got to enforce our laws, and then we've got to figure out how we have a legal working immigration system. Yeah, I'm into that. We're talking with Congressman Tracy Mann from the 1st Congressional District of the great state of Kansas here. Let's talk about the Ag Committee for a second. I know you're involved with agriculture, obviously, Western Kansas a very big agriculture industry. Uh, have you seen or talk about some of the changes and some of the policies with the Department of Agriculture, some of the trade, uh, some of the tariffs, some of the stuff that's going on with ag right now that may be affecting uh, the ag industry? Sure. You know, a lot of produce for agriculture. It's a delight to get to be on the House Ag Committee. I grew up on a farm and, and feed yard, and that's what our family's always done. That's the biggest driver of the economy in Kansas and in my district. Um, you know, a- trade is a big deal, and you mentioned that. Um, it's a big deal for agriculture right now. Uh, you know, President Trump stood up to China, um, you know, that's taken advantage of us for far too long. We have the phase one trade deal that's in place. I think it's important for people to remember that that agreement was signed last January 15th, went into effect February 15th. It was a two-year agreement, which means it expires here uh, in a little less than 11 months. So we need to, one, be holding China accountable to make sure that they are meeting their obligations under the phase one trade deal, which has been good for agriculture. And two, we need to be talking about what's next. Uh, prices of commodities definitely have, have risen. 
um, throughout, you know, agriculture as China has has met their obligations or, or close to it, and, and that's a good thing for our producers, farmers, and ranchers. Boy, it's, I'm I'm optimistic, but yet cautiously optimistic about how this year is going to go for some of the egg and some of the trade, just trade in general, even outside of the egg industry, just with some of the trade policies that we're trying to change. And as you mentioned, China, China's kind of our big one. The nice thing under the Trump administration over the last few years was that we kind of diversified trade in the nation. Do you still see that happening? Uh, over the next couple of years under Biden, or are we going to kind of get re-centralized back to just trading primarily with China again? Um, uh, um, to be seen, I'm optimistic. I'll tell you, you know, last year alone, people don't give President Trump credit for this, but we reworked our trade relationship, modernized it, have it in place for the future for Mexico and for Canada, two very big trading partners, um, had the phase one trade deal with China. We also updated our agreement with Japan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have redone, improved, and have in place um, – you know, about by, by volume, about 50% of our trade agreements. That's good. But we also need to be more proactive in thinking about who do we want our trading partners to be three years, five years, 10 years. Uh, I think we can't become too beholden to China. We need to diversify that and make sure that we're building relationships today with the countries that we want to be our trading partners years from now. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about some of the stuff you guys are working on now and into the next few months. I know we got just a few minutes left here with Congressman Tracy Mann from the 1st District in Kansas. We just passed the $1.9 trillion COVID-19 uh, package, uh, which is ridiculous. That put our deficit for the first six months of our federal budget to $3 trillion. It shattered a record for our deficit in the first six months of a fiscal year at the federal level. Now we're talking about literally doubling that, and Joe Biden's talking about a now $3 trillion economic stimulus package. Where does this end, and what the heck, what's going on financially it's, it's in, in government? Criminal, it's criminal what we're doing to our kids and grandkids. To your point, we are, our debt is almost $30 trillion. This $1.9 trillion bill that just – and I – you know strongly opposed it, voted against it four or five times in all its iterations. Unfortunately, it did pass the House barely, passed the Senate and got signed into law. But understand that $1.9 trillion, only 9% goes to actual COVID health relief. The other 91%, you know, it's money that we don't have spending on priorities that should not be our priorities. Now they're talking about this, you know, the, the infrastructure bill could be several trillion dollars Y'all, we are we are in debt up to our eyeballs. Uh, we've got to think about the future of this country and what our financial responsibilities are. Where did a lot of this money go? I, I had heard the same thing that it. I mean, so little of it actually went to the people or went to COVID relief. But I mean, it went to schools, but yet we didn't mandate schools to actually open. It went towards environmental things, which I don't didn't realize that that was actually COVID relief. It went to museums. I saw money went to Native American language preservation, which is cool. But why would we spend that when we're trying to get the economy going? After COVID and actually trying to solve COVID, uh, now this new $3 trillion package, I don't even know what's in it, but it sounds like they just want to spend a whole bunch on their just their little pet projects. No, that's right. And a lot of the $1.9 um, trillion, you know, um, billions of dollars went to bailing out um, blue states and blue cities that made poor and also pensions that were underwater that made poor decisions. Um, we should not be sending Kansas tax or we should not be sending state dollars. Um, to bail out other states that have made poor financial decisions. She has a lot of, of Democrat pet projects, a lot of money we don't have, like I said, spending on priorities that should not be our priority right now. Yeah, it's unfortunate, and I don't know how to stop some of this, but, I mean, is this the 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 introduction, I guess, for redistribution? As you mentioned, if we're bailing out blue states during the shutdown because they're so bankrupt when other states that didn't shut down are doing relatively well, or at least surviving right now, is this the introduction for the redistribution that we're going to see as we go into budget talks by this fall? It's 
very concerning to me. And it also, you know, we're, we are rewarding bad behavior and punishing good behavior. States that have had to tighten their belt, made good decisions, had rainy day funds, you know, that they're not getting the resources like the states that did not. Yeah. And horrible, horrible policy, horrible direction, horrible spending priorities for the country. It drives me nuts. Congressman Tracy, man, last question before we let you go. But anything else going on in D.C. right now? I know last week you guys uh, ended up, unfortunately, passing some of the gun restriction rights and gun bills that went over to the Senate right now. That's being discussed over on that front. But what else is going on in the in the House that we should be aware of? Well, well um, infrastructure is going to be coming up next. The House is not meeting for um, – this week is not going to meet the next couple of weeks. We'll see what the spring – has um, on the gun bills, you know, I voted against them. They will do little to prevent, you know, criminals from accessing firearms, and that's really where the focus needs to be. So I am very concerned about the future of our Second Amendment and how that might be diminished. Yeah, I'm really concerned that that's going to go through. But uh, luckily, a lot of these states doing the nullification process and doing maybe Second Amendment sanctuary laws or something like that is kind of where we need to focus a lot of our attention. Congressman Tracy Mann, it's the first district for the great state of Kansas. It's your great friend. I, I appreciate what you do. I love having you up in D.C. Keep up the fight. And let's do this again real soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Andy, again for what you do. And, and we got to keep praying for the future of the country while we believe that our best days are yet ahead. But you know, those are going to occur with hard work on all of our parts.